so um, I was thinking back this week uh, over Christmas and everyone was in. And so a few years back, my mom had, I think this was her second knee replacement surgery. I think it was her second one. And so my mom's bionic. She's got two hips, uh, one hip and two knees uh, that have all been fixed and replaced. And and it was her second one. She's at Athens Regional, which is now Athens Piedmont, but that's a whole nother, doesn't matter. And I was walking to the elevator, and I was started talking with this gal that worked at the hospital. Now, she'd been in the room the day before, and we talked quite a bit. She was kind of the one of the, the people that came in to kind of help you, all right, let's make sure all your ducks are lined up when you leave, you know, kind of. I, always, I call her the transition lady. I don't know what her official title was, but that's what I kept calling her, the transition lady. And she didn't correct me, so or slap me, so I guess she was okay with that. But we were walking to the elevator, and we started talking. And she knew what I did for a living, and so we started talking. We asked about the church, and, and so I asked where, if she went to church. And she told me she goes to Athens Church, and, and, uh, and I said, well, that's a great church, and, we're, and what drew you to Athens Church? Because you just start asking questions. You're curious about things. Is it the music? Is it the atmosphere? Is it the pre- I mean, what, what is it? And she said, well, that's not an easy answer and so this is kind of how our conversation went and it was a long conversation so I was blessed to have a long elevator ride as well so she told me that she grew up as an Episcopal church and that when she went to church her whole life church was about rules and rituals and do's and don'ts and what she was taught her whole life was Christianity was a list of things you do and a list of things you don't and the most important thing that you do is show up at church And that was her church culture. That was her church background. And she said she did that for years and years and years. She married, she she and her husband, she got married, went to the same church. And she said after a while, you you just get tired of, of life being about what you do and don't do. And she said, I'm not proud of this, but we just quit going to church because it just, life had to be more than that. But that was the only church she knew. And some fr- a friend from work invited her to go to church with them, and she didn't know anything about the church at the time. And, and if she was one of those people, you invite, you invite, you invite, you invite, you invite. And sometimes we get really frustrated by that. We invite someone to church, and we go, well, they don't come. Well, they don't care. She had a friend who invited her relentlessly over time. Didn't just do it one time. Hey, once you come, once you come, once you come, once you come. So finally they went. And so then we got back to our conversation about the church she goes to, she goes to and I, I know the church really well. And, and I said, so tell me about it, the church. What is it that drew you? And this is what she said. She said, for the first time in my life, she said, for the first time in my life, in my church life, I understood that being a Christian was not about do's and don'ts and rules and rituals. That being a Christian was about who you belong to. She said, I had never heard, I grew up in church and I went to church part of my married life. I had never heard in all that time I was created for a purpose. No one ever, because it was all, all that mattered was, were you there? She said, for the first time in my life, I realized that I was created to do more than just go to work and go to church. And that's why I drew her to the church, not the other stuff. You know, when, the, when a new year starts, one of the things that we always talk about, you know, we, if you're a resolution maker, and if you know me, you know I'm not, but, you know, we always, and one of the things people always say is, you know, this year, 
this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in church. I'm gonna, and that's, that's a great thing to do. But if it's just a resolution, it's just a checklist. Sometimes we think if we've come to church, we've checked the box, and life is good. So here's what I want to challenge you with. I want, I want you to think about this. The truth is we've been called to do something higher and greater than just show up at church. That's the truth. That is the truth of Scripture. We've been called to do, some, to do more than just show up on Sundays or on Wednesdays. We've been called for a higher purpose and a greater purpose. And that's what this series that we're starting the year off is all about. You know, one of the things this, is, this gal said to me, and I don't remember her name, it was really interesting. She said, my whole life, my whole life, church was about hanging on to what we had. She said, that was it. It was hanging on to what we had. Couldn't make people mad because if you get, someone gets upset, they might leave. And she says, you know, I went to a place that, yeah, they wanted to hang on to what they had, but they were more concerned about who was out there than who was in there. She said, I was really drawn to that. Mark Twain. Uh, Mark Twain, this is one of my favorite Mark Twain quotes. Uh, and this quote is going to kind of drive our series for the next six weeks, right? Mark Twain says this, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Now, I can't do anything about the day you were born. That's between you and your mom and your daddy and the doctors and the Lord and all that good stuff, right? But I think that's true. The two most important days of your life are the day you're born, because that's how you get here, and the day you figure out why you were born. If you've ever thought about that, that's what this series is about. The second part of that. We're going to spend the next six, six weeks talking about why we were born what we were born to do. And we weren't just born to, to come to church and check off a list, maybe work with kids and, and go home. We were called to do something higher and greater. Because the truth is the kingdom of God is bigger than, than what we do here in Scraven County. It, it, it's, it's this global thing that we get to be a part of. And so we're going to talk about this thing. And so the blueprint for this series is a book that I read years ago called Life on Mission. And Life on Mission is a book by Tim Harlow. If you'd like to read, it's worth reading. If you don't like to read, it's worth reading. Okay, it, it's, a, it's a good book. And so we're not just, I'm not just using the book for a series, but like the chapter headings I'm using. So if you were to pick the book up and go, hey, that looks familiar, you'll see some things that are similar. But Tim Harlow talks about a life on mission. And life on mission... And the important part of that is mission. And so I'm going to remind you of something we talked about back when I first got here, when we talked about mission and vision, all that good stuff. And that is that mission predetermines every course of action that we take. Mission is why you do what you do. Every team has a mission. Every organization has a mission. Every family has a mission. Every human being has a mission. The mission is why you do what you do, and the why is more important than anything else. Because the why determines the what. And so I'm a, I'm a what um, my brother used to call me a why guy. Not a wise guy, but a why guy. Because I always wanted to know why. Because if you can figure out, if you get the why right, the what follows. 
Life on mission is about why we do what we do, and mission predetermines everything. And in his book, Tim Harlow says this about mission. He says this, there's an urgency behind the mission. He's talking about this idea of life on mission. We've got to feel the gravity of the situation to see the need around us. Once we do, we'll be compelled to act. So Harlow talks about in his book that when you embrace a life on mission, you understand that there's an urgency. There's a why. And, and living a life on mission is about figuring out the why. Why was I born? And when you figure out why you were born, then you can figure out what you were born to do. I'm telling you this, you were not born to be successful. But it's okay if you are. You're not born to run a company, but if you do, that's great. You aren't born to be a great athlete, and if you are, that's super. I don't think God cares how many points a game you score. I'm not sure God cares how many people show up in church on Sunday, if we're being really honest. Now, we do, and it's important. But those are what things, not why things. Why drives the bus, and why is what we're going to talk about. And so when we talk about mission, life on mission, we immediately go to this idea of missions. We just had James come up and talk about this mission that he's involved with in Thailand. And we think about missions. And missions, when you talk about missions in church, when you add the S to mission, here's what happens. Missions becomes about people who are not here. And what I mean by that is what's going on in Thailand? What's going on at the camp? What's going on at Southern down the road? We give, because when you're involved with missions, you can give a dollar, you can say a prayer, and you don't have to have any personal investment. You just do your part. And my part is to give a dollar. My part is to say a prayer. And it's their role to do their thing. This is not about missions. This is about mission. Life on mission. And the Bible calls us to live a life on mission. It, calls it, it tells us that we were created with purpose, for a purpose. And that purpose is larger than greater than we are. And that purpose is larger than greater than just showing up for a worship service. I would even say this. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, My desire would be this place is filled every Sunday and every Wednesday. What matters more is what we do when we walk out the doors. This is where you come and you get fueled up. You recharge. The mission is what happens when you walk out the doors. Go home, go to the ball field. Go to work. Hang out with your friends. If you're a shopper, you go to the mall. You know, whatever you mean, you sit on the bench and watch people walk by. That's what that's how I shop. And so the life on mission, this is kind of our theme verse, but this is what uh, Jesus said. As the disciples are, are preparing for, for to embrace this, this mission, Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1, and you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That's very personal. That's not about somebody else and what they do. It's about what I do, right? You will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere. Everywhere. Where is everywhere? Everywhere is every place your feet hit the ground. That's everywhere. Every place that your the wheels of your car or your truck or whatever you drive, wherever it takes you, that's everywhere. 
We, we spent a year talking about the people God puts in your path. That's everywhere. That's your Jerusalem. You will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere. And then he says in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, because that's where they were. Your home is your Jerusalem. Where you work, it's your Jerusalem. If you go to the gym, it's your Jerusalem. If you're involved with, with some activity outside of work, that's your Jerusalem. And we've been called to make a difference in people's lives. And that is something that's higher and greater than we're all about. Because it is sometimes absolutely inconvenient to stop and make a difference. But it's what we've been called to do. It's what Jesus did all the time, right? Jesus met a Samaritan woman. I mean, just, just hanging out at the well, this woman comes up and, and he starts talking to her. Because, you know, well, he's not in Jerusalem, but that was his Jerusalem because that's where he was. There was just, the, he passed this dude collecting taxes and, and Jesus just stopped and said, hey, um, you want a better life? Yeah, well, come with me. Okay, he quit his job and he left. Because Jesus modeled this for us all the time, every single day. So where do we come into play? You will be my witnesses. What, what does that look like? I mean, what, what's the why? Because this is today is about the why. Next week we'll talk about some other things and some other things and some other things. Today is about the why. Why is it so important that I live a life on mission, a life on point, a life on purpose with purpose? Why, is that, why does it matter? Why does, it, why does the why matter at all? This is what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 30, beginning in verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus saw people, and his immediate response is compassion. We see people, and I'll venture to guess, eight out of ten times that is not our immediate response. His immediate response is compassion. Go-to move, right? Why? They were confused and helpless. You know any confused and helpless people? Mm. I do. I've lived here for a year and a half. I've met quite a few. Sometimes I am a confused and helpless person. So I look at one every day. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, the workers are few. Right? So Jesus sees these people, immediate compassion because they're confused, they're helpless, they're hurting, they're broken, they're shattered, they're a mess. And he says, the harvest is great. You know what that means? There's a whole lot of plants out there. The workers are few. So here's the why. Verse 38. So pray to the Lord who is in the charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. So we go, I'll do that. I'll just pray for God to send people. Right? That's what I'll do. So I'm going to pray for God to send people to the, to the harvest. But then we get back to this whole thing. You will be my witness. You will be my witness. Everywhere you go, you will tell people about me. Everywhere you go, how you live matters. Do you know why 
I've never been thrown out of a ball game coaching in four years. You know why? Now, i got to be honest. Last year, I thought Terry and I were both gone at, one, at the same time in one game. But you know why? Because my witness is important to me. Because it matters. Because those girls, they're harvest. These boys are harvest. The privilege of hanging out with these ball players in the fall is our harvest. Where you work, it's your harvest. Go to the ball field, that's your harvest. Go on vacation, it's your harvest. So we immediately go, oh, I'll do that. I'll, I'll pray that God will send more people. But you will be my witness. So it's not about God sending more people. It's about us taking ownership of the mission and living a life on mission, living life on point, living a life with purpose, for a purpose. Why? And why simple? The heart is great. Harvest is great. Workers are few. Now, I, I don't know this with any certainty with what I'm fixing to say, but I'm going to assume that it's really close to true. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who sets things, and he said it's probably pretty close. So I lived in Elbert County for 11 years. Elbert County has 20,000 people in it, I think. Southern Baptists, who are really, really good at their research, tell us that 85% of that county is unchurched. And when you say that, people go, that's not, that can't be true. And my response is always this, then why aren't churches full every week? Why aren't buildings overflowing every week? Why is it that you can leave, I could, you can leave church if you really want to have some fun and you're here and you got some free time, you show up at church and you drive around and there's a lot of people around. A lot of folks out there. I would venture to guess that what's true there is probably pretty close to true here. I don't know that with any certainty. I know this, I've met a lot of lost, confused, and helpless people in a short amount of time. Harvest. The harvest is great. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a worker problem. That, that, that's, that's our problem. So Tim Harlow in his book says this. He says, I believe the harvest is more ready for reaping than reapers are ready for the harvest. That's what he says. So he says, I think, he says look, the, the truth is there's, there's a big harvest. There's people not ready. So let me, let me put it to you in my own words. Maybe there's the reason that there's so many people lost in our Jerusalem is because there's too few found people actually trying to find lost people. We don't have a lost people problem. We have a found people finding lost people problem. We have a found people making a difference in the lives of lost, helpless, confused, broken, shattered people problem. We ain't got a sin problem. And we don't have a lost problem. What's true here is true everywhere else in the world. We have a worker problem. Why should I care? Because the harvest is great. People are confused, they're helpless, they're broken, they're shattered. Why is it so important? Because Jesus said, you will be my witness. You. Not them, not they, you. You. 
Everywhere. Everywhere you go and whatever you do. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe that's why churches aren't full. Because we don't take ownership of the mission. And the mission is really simple. We talk about this all the time. The mission is simple. I mean, if you've got a red armband on your... Found people. Find people. That's the mission. That's it. Found people. And, And so here's... How do I know if I'm a found person? If you were once lost and you are now saved... You're found. And if you're found, our responsibility is to go find, not to save people. You know, we talk about that all the time. Well, we're supposed to save people. It's not my job to save people. It's not your job to save people. it's, It's not my job. My job is to find people. God's job is to save people. My job is to connect people to Jesus. His job is to save He cannot do his part if we refuse to do our part. And sometimes the best way to find someone is to just make a difference in someone's life. Just to make a difference in someone's life. Understanding that wherever you go, wherever you go, whatever you do, regardless of where you live, you live in town, you live in the county, you live out in Hiltonia, Towards Newington, live in Jenkins County, live in Bullock County, doesn't matter. Where you live, where you work, where you go, where you socialize, where you vacation, where you hang out, that's your Jerusalem. That's it. You know, we joke about people all the time, and uh, my son is like this. My son said, I like people as long as I don't have to be around them. He kind of says that all the time. And we joke about that. And, and it's easy for us to do that. Man, I like people as long as I don't have to be with them. Right? And sometimes that's kind of how we feel. Sometimes we take that to heart and people don't matter to us anymore. Because we don't see the confused and the helpless. We don't look at people the way Jesus does. And the way Jesus looked at people was He had compassion on them. And he had compassion because they were confused, they were helpless, they were lost, they were broken. He had compassion on them. The problem, I think, if I'm being really honest, people are kind of messy. I mean, people people are kind of messy. So when my mom comes to the house, um, when she's she's at the house, we we just put the TV on HGTV and leave it there. And she watches, if there's not a show on HGTV she doesn't like. There's not a show on HGTV that I like, but there's not one she doesn't like. But Crystal used to watch these shows all the time. And if I were going to pick a couple, the one that I really liked, and I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's Love It or List It or something like that. And, so, and, and it's this people, and you have a choice, and you can up, renovate your house, or you can go find one that you can just walk in and don't have to do anything. And what's really cool when you watch these shows is that the, there's always one person, a husband or a wife, who wants to stay where they are and fix what they got. There's always someone who says, no, I want something new. I want, I want to build it. And I want to walk in the door, hand me the keys, good to go. Right? Now, I did some research on this show the other day. And if you're interested in being on this show, there's two things you have to do. Only two. One, move to Raleigh, North Carolina. So don't do that. 
two, you have to have a minimum of $100,000 for a renovation budget. Maybe we should go to Raleigh. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, so there's, that's, that's the criteria. So even to be a fixer-upper, you've got to have some resources, right? And the other thing that's really interesting is you've got to be willing to bend your budget. So I'm a no, no, and no. Easy for me. If I have $100,000 laying around, I'm not fixing what I got. I'm doing something different. But I think that show illustrates how our problem with people. We like move-in ready people. We like people who have already worked the mess out, right? They've worked the kinks out. They're, we want people to come, you know, we want to invite people to church, we want to come to church, but, but we don't want to accept them the way they are. And the way they are is kind of a mess. They may not believe what you believe, they may not think what you think, they may not think what's important to you may not be important to them. They may not like what you like. They may say absolutely inappropriate things all the time at church. Been there, done that, lived that. The most horrible racist joke I ever heard, I heard in church by a visitor. And I was like, man, the whole time I'm going, how do I get out of here? How do I get out of here? But you know what? The guy ended up becoming a Christian. Changed his life. Because someone invited him to church and accepted him for who he was. That's our problem. I don't know that we have a people problem. People, sometimes we go, you know what? I'm not sure I want to invest in because they're really, really messy. I like the people who are moving ready. Invite them to church. They come in. They know all the stuff to do. They say the right things. They dress the right way, whatever in the world that means. You know, they don't wear inappropriate clothing. And, and, you, when you're, and they always say the right stuff. Never in my life have I met a human being who fits that, saved or lost. Ever. Because... What's appropriate to you might not be appropriate to me. What's acceptable to you might not be acceptable to me. And we're family. What's okay for you to do might not be okay for me to do. I don't drink. I don't judge. I don't drink. I had an alcoholic grandfather... And I found out pretty quick in life that there, uh, there's this gene, and you have it or you don't, and I have it. And I'm scared. And, and it's fear that drives me, being honest. That's why my son doesn't drink. Fear drives him. Because we both pretty, we're hooked on some stuff. Dot Coke, me and Dot Coke, we're best friends. People tell me it's, it's bad for you. You know, it's too late for me. So it's just too, it's too late for me. Save yourselves. It's too late for me, right? But that's kind of what we do, right? Sometimes it's too late for me. Save yourself. No. The mission is not moving ready because people are a mess. And the person who's living out the mission is not moving ready because we're a mess. And that's okay. It's okay that I'm a mess. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay that I'm not perfect. It's okay that sometimes I don't get things right. So if it's okay for me, it's got to be okay for that person I'm trying to introduce and connect to Jesus.
Harvest is great. It's not a harvest problem. It's a worker problem. So Jesus said, pray to the Lord that he'll send workers. But then he said, you are my witness. You're my worker. You're the person who's going to go into the field. Everywhere you go and everything you do, you'll be my witness. This is, I want you to think about this. This is one of my favorite quotes about church and about mission. And I don't even remember where it came from, but it says this. The gospel is not about making people religious. It's about finding lost people and bringing them home. That's what the gospel is about. Jesus didn't try to make people religious. Religion is rules and rituals. Religion is why my, my transition nurse or whatever she, her real title was, is why she quit going to church. Because to her, the gospel was about do's and don'ts. Gospel is not about making people religious. It's not about rules. It's about finding the lost and bringing them home. And this is not home. This is just a, this is just like base camp. Where we gather until one day we go home. My job is a love awful mission. That's my job. Why? Because Jesus said the, the harvest is plentiful, workers are few. Jesus said, it's my responsibility to be a worker. You will be my witness. And so we're going to talk for the next six weeks, this week, six, six weeks this week in, including, about living a life with purpose and on purpose. Living your life for something greater and bigger than you. Discovering why you were born and what you were born to do. And what you were born to do is really simple. It's God's people finding God's heart for this world. That's what we were born to do. God's people finding God's heart for this world. That's what a life on mission looks like. That's what I was born to do. That's what you were born to do. The question is, are you really, are you really to embrace what God put you here to do? Father, we are... Uh, grateful for this new life, new season, this this time when we we embrace the new year, we, we make promises, we make plans, we but a life on mission is not about a promise or a plan. It's not about It's not about doing or not doing. It's not about just showing up somewhere. It's about every day, everywhere we go, making a difference in someone's life. Because that person may be lost, helpless, <coughs> confused, wandering, shattered, and broken. Because the truth is, sometimes found people are shattered and broken a little confused and a lot helpless. And what separates the boat we're in and the boat that the people around us are in is that we have been saved, we have been found, and they're still lost. That's why you, the church exists. It's why we exist. It's why we were born to do, to make a difference in people's lives.
pray, Lord, that in 2020, we will embrace a life on mission that will make a, an amazing difference in our town, in our county, and in surrounding counties. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.